Good evening and welcome to Thursday Night Tailgate, where NFL legends live. Join us tonight as we get more legendary stories from former players and coaches who were in the huddles, on the sidelines, and in the locker room. Plus insights from media members from around the country who have covered the game for decades. Check out our five-star picks of the week with former Patriots Pro Bowl running back Tony Collins. Plus, our spotlight on the positive segment. And here are some good things for a change about what players and teams are doing in their community. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Mascaro and Bob Lazari. Go get them, guys. Good evening, folks, and thank you for coming back and joining us tonight on Thursday Night Tailgate, where your favorite NFL legends live. Chris Mascaro and Bob Lazari here with you, getting you ready for week number 15 of the NFL season. Bob, how are you, my friend? Hi, Chris. How's things down in hot land? <laughs> We're still a little hot, warm. Right? <laughs> yeah, is that going to be so hot coming in the next couple of days? Low of 14 coming up our way in just a couple of days so we're not prepared for stuff like that and who knows bob there's somewhat of an opportunity for us to get a white christmas wouldn't that be something in atlanta a white christmas hey you can have it down there i'll skip a year up here (laughs) sure you will so bob we're getting down to it in the regular season four weeks left to go the bills chiefs cowboys vikings 49ers plus the eagles those guys look like they've uh, either clinched a division spot or, or, or a, certainly a playoff berth. And uh, all of that should be put to rest come this Sunday night. But I want, I want to get your thoughts. If you add those teams, plus the Bengals, and we've been talking a lot about them over the last few weeks, those six teams, is this, a, is this one of the things like we, we talk about? Is, it's going to be chalk. Those guys are all going to be the ones playing in late January? You know, you'd have to think so, Chris, even though there's, so much parity in the league right now, and it's almost week to week. Any team can beat another team, you know, unless you're a Houston or a Denver, one of those low, low teams. But uh, there is so much parity. But I think when the smoke clears, and this usually happens, it, it's those teams just mentioned. You know, they've been consistent kind of throughout the year. We know they all can score in this high-scoring NFL. Uh, you know, I mean, if I have to... I have to pick a team, Chris, that's probably at the upper echelon. You know, it's probably got to still be kind of a, like a Buffalo because, you know, all roads are going to probably lead through Buffalo in January. And you know what that's like, Chris? They still probably play the best defense out of all those teams you mentioned. And, and we've said it all the time, you know, scoring is, is an obvious in the NFL, but, you know, you still have to stop somebody at times. The defense wins championships still in those tight games. So that would be my team right now. Uh, as you know, I had them going to the Super Bowl against Green Bay. Uh, that's not happening. So I got to stick with Buffalo, but they still look very strongly, uh, Chris, and they still, I think still, they're probably that team that I think other teams probably fear the most out there. Bob, going back to last week's games, the Panthers cut Baker Mayfield on Monday, signs with the Rams on Tuesday, and then goes out on Thursday and not only starts that night against the Raiders, but leads them to a late come-from-behind victory. We talked about him possibly becoming a journeyman quarterback last week here on the show. What do you think 
that win is going to do for him, not only this season, but as we look ahead to him in 2023. First of all, Chris, I was pretty happy for the guy. We had talked a little bit about him last week, and uh, I, I said, you know, over those last few years, the guy, he played banged up a lot. But probably times when he wasn't supposed to be out there, shouldn't have been out there. But I was happy when he got there. You know, he didn't play terrifically last year, but he, he just played mistake-free football. You know, and he's playing without a Cooper Cup. And, you know, I mean, it's not like he has all the weapons in the world there, Chris, but he did enough to beat a not-so-good team. You know, I'm not going to take it as, as a, a totally career-changing thing, but, I mean, no matter where he ends up next year, they know this guy could at least be a uh, a game controller and at least, you know, lead teams to victory, you know, and, and probably lead a team that, that needs a quarterback and it's not too good. But, um, you know, again, I, I don't think he's going to be ever among those echelon of very, very good, great quarterbacks. But I was just happy to see him, uh, you know, I mean, if he went out there last week, just think about it, Chris. One game like last week, if he stunk last week, he probably would be on a scrap pile, scrap pile right now, and people would be saying nobody's going to ever want this nice. So, so the way life is in the NFL, you know, one week to the next. But he's in that that kind of um, persona where you just he can go either way every week. But I'm glad that happened to him. Things are looking up for him a bit. And Bob, we've been openly rooting for the Lions because of you know how how well they're playing first of all, and then how long their fans have suffered. And well, that team just keeps coming, Bob. Six and seven now. Game and a half behind the Giants for the final playoff spot in the NFC. They've got games left against the Jets, Panthers, Bears, and Packers. A lot of winnable games there. Giants have three, three teams left that are already in the playoffs if it were to end today. If season ended today, three games left against playoff teams. And then the Seahawks have an even tougher schedule remaining. How excited right now? Should Detroit Lions fans start to be? Well, again, I think we mentioned last week, Chris, they, you have to be happy just to see the standings in the North and to see them in second place. I mean, just above, even above, uh, when was the last time they were above Green Bay, Chris? Think about it. Years <laughs> and years, right? And Green Bay and above Chicago, obviously. But I just liked them last week. The matchup against Minnesota was ripe. Uh, Detroit, you know, is coming on. Again, I'm not going to go crazy on this team because they still they they still need a lot of work on defense, Chris. I think they're going to struggle against the Jets, who have an incredibly good defense coming week. But again, six and seven at this point, you know, still kind of you know just the word playoffs with the Lions. I only think they're going to be able to to build on this momentum and be very very good going forward. And that would be the greatest thing if they ever could actually take over that division and everybody be, would be chasing Detroit instead of Minnesota and Green Bay for a change. So, hey, that might happen in the next couple of years. And Bob, the Titans lose to the Jags on Sunday. They've lost three in a row now. Jags are only two games behind the Titans now in the AFC South. Jags were two and six just a few weeks ago. And now, I mean, five and eight, right? Nothing, nothing great, but they seem like a team that, you know, you look at, you look at Lawrence, Putting it together, things seem to be slowing down from him. For him, Jags offense seems to be playing well. Can this be a team that comes all the way back? Now, obviously, the Titans have kind of come back to the field, like losing three in a row. But can the Jags come all the way back and win this division? I don't think so, Chris. But you know, the thing that 
just the fact that they're putting a scare into some people is pretty impressive. You know, it's, it's obviously a good move, uh, changing coaches. You know, they are still, uh, you know, you know out of conference. They're, they're just not a good team. Um, but I mean, there are worse defensive teams and, you know, there are better offensive teams. They're just in that rut where they're, they're just getting a, an identity too. I think Lawrence now has wet, has feet wet enough to, to kind of keep improving now. He's the kind of guy, you know, you got to surround him with more weapons. I think they all know this, but with a decent coach in place, Chris, I think they're going to be okay, but I don't, I don't think they're going to overtake Tennessee. All right, let's move along to our Unsung Hero of the Week award. Bob, who's a, a lesser-known guy, an unsung guy that came along and really impressed you last week? You know, this I got to give this this week, Chris, to Chris Moore. And Chris Moore, this was the game, the uh, the Dallas game, and, and, and this is going to be in a in a losing effort, right? I mean, we usually don't give this award to somebody in a losing effort, but you know, during if you were keeping track of that game throughout, Chris. Uh, Houston had Cowboys on the ropes, right? Right till the end of that game, and people were saying, what's going on here? Well, you know, a guy like Chris Moore, Chris, it's the kind of guy we love. Now, this guy's been around, I think this is seventh year in the league, but he's never caught more than about 20 passes in a, in a, uh, in a game up until this year. Uh, I think he only had six starts in seven years. He spent a lot of it in Baltimore. He's always played second fiddle to a lot of people, but uh, this past Sunday, Chris, he single-handedly, uh, I mean, pretty much, this is a guy that caught 10 passes, Chris, for over 120 yards. Now, think of, again, what I just said, what he's done in his career. 10 receptions for 124 yards, uh, he just kept the chains moving, and that's basically what kept Houston in the game. No one else on Houston, including the quarterback, Mills, played that well, but more, uh, again, Chris, fourth-round draft pick out of Cincinnati was never really highly touted, touted coming out of college. I mean, he was a good player in college, but fourth-round draft pick kind of went under the radar screen. He's almost 30 years old now, but uh, I just thought that was a good pick for him. Uh, he's starting. Maybe this will get him more targets uh, from now on and, and give a signal to the rest of the NFL that he's, uh, he's finally come home. Yeah, good for him. Have a, have yourself a day. Yeah. Bob, my unsung hero of the week, going back to the Lions, is defensive lineman Isaiah Bugs. Bugs is a former Steeler, oh, by the way. And Bob, you know, we saw last Sunday how deep and talented the Steelers defensive line is. So letting Bugs go, understandable, right? You know, they, they didn't get run over by the, by the Ravens at all. So you can understand why the Steelers would let a guy like Isaiah Bugs go. But uh, he's a former six-round draft pick back in 2019. He comes in, and Alliance coaches describe him as, and I quote, a man with grit, tenacity, and a no-quit attitude. And last week in their big win over the Vikings, he had a sack, three hits on the quarterback, plus he forced a big fumble on Dalvin Cook, and he's now a leader out there on the Lions defense. Even Lions rookie Aiden Hutchinson is singing Bugs praises for what a leader he is. He's also a very selfless player. He takes on blockers to open up holes so that other guys can make the play. And oftentimes that's what you're looking for out of your defensive lineman. They're occupying a couple of guys so the inside linebackers can go in there and make a play. And he does that. And he's having a really good season. So I'm really happy for Isaiah Bugs. And that's why he's my unsung hero of the week, Bob. Terrific. 
It's time for another edition of Bob's Take. So, Bob, tell us what's on your mind tonight. Get into this week's edition of Bob's Take. And Bob, you mentioned this a moment ago that the Bills, you feel like are, you know, the teams are going to run through Buffalo when it comes to playoff time. And they've won four in a row now, two game lead in the AFC East. Bengals have won five in a row. Don't forget them. Chiefs 10 and three. So of the other teams that are out there in the AFC, who's a team? Is it the Bengals since they've won three in a row against Kansas City? Is that a team that could make a run past the Bills? Who else do you like? Who, who do you think is, if you if you will, the, the number two seed in the AFC? Well, that's a great, great question because a, a big question we've had the last few weeks is that Cincinnati, do they have Mahomes' number? And it surely seems that way, Chris. I don't like Kansas City's defense, especially the secondary. Uh, and that's the reason why it seems like every time Burrow plays them, picks them apart. So you'd have to say maybe Buffalo, Cincinnati right now would be your your best. But of course, on any given day, Kansas City can put up 40 points, Chris, and just probably get by and win a 41-38 game. That's the type of team they are. And of course, if they get home field, Chris, you know how good they are at uh, Arrowhead and all that. But yeah, uh, I'm still going to put Buff- uh, Buffalo there because, again, unless you've been up here and, and, and Seeing the conditions it can be like in January, um, and people having to go there, I mean, it does make a difference. Uh, it's asked Miami over the years and other teams. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm going to say Buffalo, Cincinnati, Chris, and Kansas City is going to be right there closely to Cincinnati right now. Bob, uh, Mr. Irrelevant, Brock Purdy, 49ers, third string quarterback. He goes out and does it again this past week. He leads the 49ers to a huge blowout win. Over the Bucks, thirty-five-seven. Bob could not believe how bad yeah. the Bucks looked in that game, and they're six and seven now with a game coming up against the Bengals. Oh, by the way, on Sunday, looking at the rest of the NFC South, Bob, the pa- the Panthers play the Steelers, Falcons play the Saints. It's not a stretch to think that all three of those teams could be six and eight come Sunday night. Who wins that division? It's ugly. It, it is ugly to think that New Orleans isn't even the equation, you know, that's kind of crazy, uh, the post-Breeze era right now. But you would have to think, you know, even as bad as Tampa Bay played, um, you know, it, with Brady still there and, and able to do certain things like he used to, and being that teams you mentioned aren't spectacular, because I'm still going to give them, you know, they to me, they're the only team in that division that, that probably has a run in them, you know, and they're very good against that division. So uh, I'm still going to give that edge to Tampa Bay, but you're right. It would be pretty wild if uh, we had three, six, and eight teams going to next week, and uh, I'm sure we'll mention that next week. We'll see how that goes, <laughs> but a slight, slight not Tampa Bay, but you're right. After that, I just can't figure out what team is going to show up week to week right now. Staying in the NFC South, Bob, the Falcons have benched Marcus Mariota in favor of quarterback Desmond Ritter. Considering they're somehow still in the playoffs, right? The timing yeah. seems kind of questionable to I me. Mean, I know Mariota left the team to be with his wife as they were having their first child, but it seems like based on the communications and what we're hearing here in Atlanta, he may not come back from that. He may be gone for the rest of the year, not because obviously of injury or anything like that, 
but just because he's disgruntled and, and having been benched. But I want to get your thoughts. Is, is the timing of going to Ritter at this point in the season, considering the Falcons are still alive, is that a good move or a very bad one? I'm not enamored with it, Chris. Uh, as you said, this team still has an outside shot at the playoffs. Uh, you know, if they were, you know, three and 11 or something, you'd say, we have nothing to lose. And, and you know, you've, you've seen other teams try that already this year. But with still a shot, Mariota he hasn't played that bad. If you look at his stats, Chris, I think he's thrown for 15. He has seven picks. Um, you know, he's kind of a game manager at this point. But if you still have a, a, a shot at the playoffs, I mean, wouldn't you want to stay with that quote-unquote game manager that at least puts you in a shot? I mean, run with it and see how far it goes. Um, you know, as we talked about how tough it is for new quarterbacks to uh, adjust and, and learn on the fly, uh, this is not the time uh, in that division to do that. So I wasn't too enamored with it. You know, I, I was the I, I would have just gone with Mariota and then make a change next year. You know, they gave the Mariota an experiment, but look, I mean, there are worse offensive teams in Atlanta. Their defense is what's, what's giving them the problem right now. There you go, folks. That's this week's edition of Bob's Take. And we got a great show in store for you tonight with our guests, Christine Lisi, Tony Collins, Gus Perrot, and Jim Everett. We're going to be right back with Christine Lisi on the other side of this real quick station break. Thursday Night Tailgate, where the spotlight is always on the positive. Tune in Thursday night from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time to hear your favorite NFL legends, players, and coaches sharing their stories. Now back to Chris and Bob. I wouldn't joke about anything else that happened to you tonight. All right, now back in making her eighth appearance with us is Christine Lisi. You guys know Christine as an ESPN radio anchor who also does Sports Center updates throughout the day. She's a big Buffalo sports fan, Bill Sabres. She's been a wonderful friend and guest on this show over the years, if you can believe this. For the, she joined us for the first time just under eight years ago. We are very excited. She is back with us again tonight here on Thursday Night Tailgate. Hey, Christine, Chris, and Bob, thanks for coming Hello, back Christine. on the show. Hi, Chris. Hi, Bob. I can't believe eight years ago. Wow. Right. Holy cow. <laughs> How you doing, Christine? I'm good. How are you guys? Doing okay. Yeah, doing really good. Christine, I want to start off our time with you tonight. I want to talk a little hockey because our mutual friend, Angelo Kane, who, as you know, also a big <laughs> Buffalo sports fan, keeps yapping uh-huh. in my ear about how great Paige Thompson is, and he tells me he's the next big thing in hockey, and Ange is frequently wrong about these things, so I know you know better than he does. What's a Paige Thompson? I, he has been fantastic. Um, I know we were watching the game. Uh, I'm trying to think it was must have been Tuesday night now against the Kings and he had this shot and like the announcer called him TNT and like he's, I, I, you know, I know he struggled a little bit, you know, a couple years ago, but he's really kind of come into his own. His dad's, you know, a former, um, NHLer and he's just, I really, I don't know. It's, it's so nice to see him develop into this, like one of the big stars of the league. Um, I'm just, it's so exciting to watch him play. Like when he had that five goal game a couple, uh, against Columbus, I think it was last week. Like that was just, it was unbelievable to watch him. And it's so, it's so nice to see. Cause like I said, a couple years ago, he really struggled. He got sent down to Rochester, but at the time, I don't think they didn't have the right coach in Ralph Kruger. Um, but Don Granado has done a, a really great job with this group of guys. They're young. 
um, and especially Tage. He knows, you know, he's known just um, how to play him, who to put on, who, who he should be on the line with and stuff. And I just, it's fun to watch him play. It's still early in the season, but the Sabres are kind of yeah. hovering there around 500. Is this group ready to make a run this season, or do you think they're a year or two away? I think a year or two away, maybe just because of the goaltending situation and um, the defense isn't is a little suspect sometimes. Like the the Sabers are one of the highest scoring teams in the league, um, but that and that's great. But like when you play a really good team, like I was watching for the Columbus game, for example, like the Sabers are skating up, but both teams are skating up and down, and like and and the Sabers were scoring. They scored a lot of goals. They scored nine goals that game. But I don't think like if you have a team that's that's really good. Um, that you're going to be able to do something like that. You know what I mean? Like, I think you have to kind of, you have to play a good defensive game. You have to have good goaltending. And I think maybe, you know, I'm excited when Devin Levi, who plays at Northeastern in goal, I'm excited to see, I think he might be in Rochester next year and then maybe the next year come up to Buffalo. So that's what, uh, I feel like we haven't had a goaltender since Ryan Miller, <laughs> Ryan Miller got traded, which has been a long time. Um, but I think that, you know, finally, after all, like a lot of bad years, just going in the right direction, building a good culture. The GM Kevin Adams is with uh, Coach Don Granado, so I'm I'm excited about where they are, where they're heading. Christine, onto a team of yours that we know is going to be in the playoffs, and that's of course the Bills for this season, and where where the Bills are at and where they've been. Is it now up to it? It's either Super Bowl or bust. I mean, I, I think so, um, because you never know who you're going to lose in the off season. I know some guys are, their contracts are up. I just think that like, when you have the opportunity, you have to, you know what I mean? Because like, you don't know how many chances you're going to get. I remember hearing, uh, Dan Marino, this is a million years ago. And he said, you know, cause they went, I think the Dolphins went his first year in the league. And he's like, I think he said he thought to himself, this is great. We're going to go every year. And that was the only time he went to the Super Bowl. And I think that just like, I, I mean, I, I, Super Bowl or bust, I, I mean, you know, maybe I, it, it might have to be, I think, cause you just don't know. The AFC's so good. There's so many good quarterbacks and there's so many good teams. Christine, what frustrates me about the Bills is how they seem to forget about Devin Singletary. He's 22nd in the league in rushing yards. He's averaging 4.4 yards a carry. But they get so pass-happy, or Josh Allen pulls the ball down and runs it himself, which I think eventually he's going to get hurt because running quarterbacks don't last very long in this league. But I just simply don't understand why they don't hand the ball off to Singletary more, give him more opportunities to run the football, because I think that kid's pretty good. I think he is, too. It's funny um, that you say that because uh, my husband, Rob, calls him my guy. Like, every time he sees Devin out there, he goes, there's my guy. But um, I think that. I do think they need to use Devin more. And then, you know, James Cook's a young guy, but he, you know, maybe try to, to use him a little bit more too. I, I wonder sometimes too, almost if Josh gets a little frustrated when the offense gets a little stagnant and he's like, you know what? Bleep it. I'm going. And then he just takes <laughs> off and he'll hurdle over people or do you know what I mean? Whatever he does. Cause I was like, Oh, he looks, cause sometimes I said to myself, Oh, he looks mad. <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause I, I know, um, there were a couple penalties in the Jets game and all of a sudden I hear him go, Come on, and you know, because you get frustrated, straining, and then I think he might have taken off running at that point. But I wonder if that, you know, factors into it too, maybe a little bit. But I would like to see them use Devin more uh, as well, and and James Cook when he's got his opportunities, he's been, you know, he's been fine as well. And Naheem Hines, I'm not sure if they're just going to use him on kickoffs. I don't know. Um, 
I'm not quite sure what the plan is there either. Five questions for Christine. Hi, Christine. It's always a pleasure to speak. My first question is, why weren't you reporting from Buffalo when they had the 77 inches of snow? I wanted to really see you up there. And, you know? My college roommate lives, my college roommate and her husband live in the town next to Orchard Park. And she, oh. usually it doesn't bother, it does, the snow doesn't bother her, but she's like, she was texting the group, our college group, and she's like, this fell overnight and it was like, two feet and then she just kept sending pictures throughout the day and it was up past the stop sign by her house oh, it was so my. tall <laughs> yes yeah it was great the pictures were just outrageous but yes uh more about these bills christine uh you know at, at this point we always know everything comes down on the head coach if things won't work out but i mean i think a guy like ken dorsey will probably be under just as much pressure because when you look at that mm -hmm. team there mm -hmm. are plenty of weapons I mean, I love the sure. tight end, Knox. I, you know, Gabriel yeah. Davis, Diggs. They, it seems to me, if you kind of spread it out just a little more, yep. the opposing defense would have a lot of trouble with this team. So, uh, I just think that's one point I wanted to make. Dorsey has really got to be just as good as McDermott down the stretch here. But as far as Josh Allen, Christine, I mean, we know about that elbow injury. Seems to have hit it pretty well. I mean, he's still running. His stats are pretty good. Uh, what do you know about it? And you think he's playing through a lot of pain, right? I think he might be. Um, he doesn't, he hasn't said much about it, but like I listened to a couple of our analysts and they, you know, they, they said as long as you can kind of manage the pain, it's, you know, it's still there. But I think that, um, you know, I, 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 the only thing that like that might concern me about Josh and he's, he's cut down on his turnovers, which has, you know, which anybody, you know, would have to do that, but. Um, I, I do think that he's a, you know, like all of them, he's tough and I think he's just gonna, he's gonna barrel through and then deal with it in the offseason. I think that mini break, the Bills had three games in 11 days, which, which was really tough. And then to have like the mini break, like the 10 days off between the Patriots and the Jets game, I think that helps, um, immensely, not just him, but some of the other guys. And as far as the home field advantage, Christine. I want you to comment on how much of an advantage you think that is. Now, they're, five, they're five and one at home. Uh, mm -hmm. We know what it can get like in January in Buffalo. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're not going to see 77 inches of snow again. Right. But, uh, you know, just those temperatures, these other teams coming up there, uh, Buffalo probably practices in it during the week. They, they're probably mm -hmm. ready than any other team out there. You give them a major advantage when it comes to that. I mean, I do a little bit because if you guys look at that Patriots playoff game in Orchard Park last year, and the Patriots are a cold weather team, yeah. like that was that was obscenely cold, and it's not going to be that cold this weekend. But I do think it it does give you an advantage. And just hearing some of our guys talk today, like Rob Ninkovich and Bart Scott, like how what it's like to actually play in that cold. And then you know they they said that you know you can see the differences in the warm you know the warm weather teams when they come up here or like mm -hmm. a dome team because it's just Everything's different. It, I, and I guess Josh, uh, told Dan, our Dan Graziano, like, how, like, he has, even he who plays in the cold, how, like, you have to make adjustments, you know, with how you grip the ball, how you throw the ball. Um, and it, it was, that was, that was interesting to me how, to hear how, you know, Josh was thinking that way. And I don't know, I guess the Dolphins weren't changing their preparation at all. Um, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure. You know what you know what they were doing, but I I didn't think they were you know doing much of worrying about the weather at all or anything like that. 
So let's take cold that. Cold. <laughs> yeah, take that a step further, Christine. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously the dolphins have been coming to Buffalo every year for a million years. You would yeah. think that over time, whether the coaches or former players or you know any of that sort of stuff, you would tap into it. Like here's how. Here's what you got to do when you go to Buffalo and it sure. starts to get cold. I mean, you, you sure. think about Tua. I mean, Tua is a kid from Hawaii. He went to Alabama, mm-hmm. and now he's playing for the for the Dolphins. I'm sure he's never mm-hmm. played a football game when the temperature started with a five, let alone right. what what you could get in Buffalo. Talk about it. Is it surprising to you that they haven't figured this out? You know, a hundred years later. I guess I guess a little bit. It's funny that you said that because I was when I was at work today. I was watching the NFL Network was playing like all these Bills Dolphins games like throughout the years, and it was neat to look up and see like what games you know, I remembered and stuff, but um it is it is kinda weird, but I don't I don't know if maybe because you don't play in it all the time until you experience it, you can't I don't know, you can't like kinda prepare for it. I'm not I'm not really sure. Um but yeah, I know that two is they I think they said when it's forty, his record, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it's it's not good. Um <laughs> but you know, and it's gonna be like twenty, twenty five on Saturday and wind and then my mom I talked to her tonight and she said she saw in the weather, like there could be like six to 12 inches of snow or depending wow. on like how this storm hits. So I mean, like right at eight o'clock, but. Mm-hmm. Hey, Christine, it's funny you mentioned highlights because ESPN every year when it's, when it's uh Super Bowl time, they go back and they replay all the highlight shows from all the different Super Bowls, the, the half hour mm-hmm. things. And, and as a Steelers fan, I still can't watch. Super Bowl 30 or 45 sure. when the Steelers lost. Sure. It's still painful for me. Do you watch the 90s Super Bowls no. at all or too much? No, I don't actually. Like, I enjoy those, so the loop, but I can't, like, I can't watch any of that stuff. It's really, and it's been like 30 years and I still can't. I don't know. I can't, like, I can't watch, um, you know, like, can't, I can't watch Scott Norton missing that field goal or, like, you know, any, any of it. I, or, you know, uh, Kelsey catching that touchdown last year. I'm like, I just, it's, it's funny because, you know, it already happened and stuff, but I just, I can't watch it. But as a Steelers fan, you've had it really good, Chris. <laughs> I know, I know I've had it good, but I tell you, when Super Bowl 30 comes on, Christine, and the Neil O'Donnell thing, it, it just, it uh, like oh, rips my heart out. I know, it, I know. I'm just teasing you. I know, I know. It's brutal. And speaking of things that are brutal, Christine, is you probably know Bob and I are also Red Sox fans and, we lived through the curse <laughs> in the 86 years and of not winning yeah. a Super Bowl and, and all of that sort of thing. So, so fortunately, thank God. And I thought, I thought my life was really coming to an end in 03 when Boone hits that home run. But fortunately, I'm sure. and, uh, and I'm sure it was great for Rob. I know, I, I know your husband's a big Yankee nut, but for us, brutal. I, for, yes. for, for you guys and, and, you know, and, and again, I know all the, the Bill stuff is brutal to watch and all that sort of thing, but, Mm-hmm. What, what happens is when it comes back around, if the Bills were to go to the Super Bowl, that, you know, they're going to want to talk about it. Media's going to want to talk about that and the, and the Bills yep. losing the four straight and all that sort of stuff. I mean, Josh Allen wasn't even born when a Super lot of Bowl. those guys, a lot of those guys yeah. weren't. <laughs> yeah. I mean, does, do you think that that, that, that is, is it, first of all, is it fair for the media to bring it up? And second of all, do you think those guys care? Do they feel the weight of any of that? Or since they weren't even born, they don't even know what you're talking about. I think today's athlete is a little bit different, like in all the sports. Like, I don't know if they um, c- quite feel like, you know, 
the curses and the burden. I know they really want to win because they're really, um, there, there's a bond between the Western New York community and the Bills that is, is a little bit like indescribable unless you've been like part of it. And I know they got, they feel like they really want to win for that community and the fans. And I know that like, um, Don Beebe, uh, said when he won with Green Bay, uh, that was for, uh, the Bills and, and Bills fans. And that's like, that was from somebody who didn't even play for the team any longer. So I think that that bond is like, maybe that's a little pressure, but I don't think that the four Super Bowl losses, because if those guys are so young now, and they, like you said, they weren't, most of them weren't even born when that, when that happened. I think that it's like a, it's a little bit different now. It's interesting you bring up Don Beebe, and Beebs was just on the show last week, and he's a great friend. Uh, we love him I a love lot. Him. And, <laughs> yeah, we love Don too. And, and it's interesting you mentioned about his comments because he has told us that winning that Super Bowl with Green Bay, he almost feels guilty having won that because oh. if, if somebody mm-hmm. on that team was going to win a Super Bowl, he's like, it shouldn't have been me. It should have been, you know, it should have been Jim. It should have been you know, Andre right. Reed or Thurman Thomas or, or Bruce Smith. It's interesting that, you know, uh, obviously he's happy to have won a Super Bowl and gotten a ring, but he almost feels guilty about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's like, you know, that's the type of person that he is, right? Like he just seems like such a, like a stand-up super guy. And like, it was, I thought it was touching that how much, um, all those teammates like meant to him and still mean to him. You know, whenever I hear interviews that, that he's done or anything like that, he's just, uh, he's such a wonderful guy. Like I, I forgot how fast he was because I was watching some of the highlights today and I'm like, man, that guy was fast. Like he ran like lightning. It was unbelievable mm-hmm. how, how good he was. Bob, more for Christine? Christine, I'm sure many of our listeners would like to know, like, really how you got into being such a football fan. I know as far as for the Buffalo, you had New York roots. Um, and But as far as when you were a, a youngster, as far as there wasn't the opportunity probably that there is for girls to do things now, uh, back then that they do now as far as teams and sports, et cetera, but just talk about your upbringing, sports, and when did you really think that, man, this is something I probably could do for a living? I uh, I went to my first Bills game, my family and I, when I was seven, and oh. um, we played the Jets, and we won. Uh, <laughs> and um, we went, we went, yeah, and I was hooked, and we went to like, um, we went to a ton of, you know, Bills and Sabres, and then there was a major indoor soccer league at the time, and Buffalo had a team, so we went to those games too, and I always just like, it was such a fun thing that we did as a family. And, you know, we watched the Bills every Sunday and or when they did not sell out because they were not good. We listened to them on the radio. Um, and it was just a it was just a nice, fun thing that, like, I kept up with, like, you know, in high school and then, like, in college. Like, you you just you bond with your friends and everybody watches the games. And, and that coincided with the Bills being good, the Jim Kelly Bills. And then I think, like, I don't know, when I was very young, I just thought, like, you know, wow, that I would watch sports up, sports broadcasts, and I was like, um, that on the news, and I was like, that seems really cool. And I think like that seed was kind of planted in me when I was young, and I would watch the news with my parents, and I would watch, you know, the the gentleman in Buffalo, his name was Rick Azar, and he would do the sports highlights and stuff. And I just that kind of always stuck with me, and you know, I just it's what I went to college for, and I was I've been lucky enough to like always work with what I went to college for like this whole time. Like, you know what I mean? Like I'm so lucky that I was able to get a job out of college 
in, um, you know, in television and then just like stay in TV or radio like all these years. And Christine, we, uh, we mentioned Tom Brady, uh, earlier in the show and you living in New England. I just wanted to get your spin on what his future might hold. You know, there's, there's always that, that bunch of people up here that say we want him back in New England. Some are saying, mm-hmm. you know, it's time, Tom. Uh, he's struggling down there, obviously. He has shown the ability to come back. He's still Tom Brady, but what do you think his future is one, two years from now? I don't know. He's, he's 46, right? Is that right? 46 right. or 47? <laughs> he's 58. <laughs> right. Um, I, I don't know. I know he said he wants to play until he's 50. Um, I'm sure that like, you know, like people speculate like, would he go to Vegas? Would they be willing to get rid of Derek Carr? Or, you know, would he want to go to San, I've heard people say San Francisco, but I mean, I think that they, I think they're invested in Trey Lance, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah. it's hard to, he probably, but I mean, I'm sure if he called somebody and said, Hey, what do you think? They, you know, I was surprised he ended up in Tampa. Honestly, like when that yeah. happened, I'm like, wait, where did this come from? Yeah. But, you know, I, I don't, I don't know about you guys, but I don't, I don't see him going back to the Patriots. I think that chapter has probably closed. What do you guys think about that? Well, I, I, at this point, I mean, yeah, I, we remember him in New England as, as the greatest. You know, I, I yes. wouldn't want to see a uh, right. 50% Brady or probably less at this point. But, uh, yeah, I right. hope that ship has sailed. If he has one more year, you know, maybe San, well, San Francisco, like you said, they're invested. It would have to be a... I don't just I don't see any fit out there, Christine. I really don't. Right, right. Because like he doesn't want to go to a team that's going to be like, you know, eight and nine or nope. you know, nope. right, like six and six and eleven or whatever. I, I don't I don't see him. You know, willing. He doesn't can't love football that. Much. I wouldn't love football that much. Right. You know, to be that old, <laughs> put yourself through that. Right, like right. Get your your butt butt kicked in every week and like not have a chance to win and. You know, somebody said today, and I agree with him, it might have been Dan Graziano, um, he's like, wouldn't that have been perfect to ride off into the sunset in Tampa? Like, hey, I did it without Bill. And I, by the way, I think it was both of them contributing to New England's success. But, um, you know, there was always that Bill Brady or, you know, who who was, you know, responsible. But he could ride into the sunset. And, like, I, I thought that was too bad that, you know, because that's, like, such a perfect way to go out. Like, John Elway went out that way. And very few people in sports get to ride out on top. Jerome Bettis yeah, did, I think. Am I right, Chris? Yeah. Yes, you are right. Yeah. You, you, yep. yeah. When they won uh, Super Bowl Forty, that was uh, in Detroit, yep. in his hometown. That was it for him. Yeah. And I and I mm-hmm. agree with you. I think he should have rode out of town uh, on that win with Tampa Bay. I, what I what I fear, Brady and what Bob alluded to, I don't want him to be Muhammad Ali. I don't want him yeah, to sure. stick around too long, and then sure. paint what we remember. I hope I hope he goes out with grace and dignity as he's brought. Mm-hmm. Christine, yep. before we let you go, let our listeners know, how can they stay up to date with all the great things you're doing? How can they listen to you and then follow you on social media? Um, I'm on ESPN Radio during the day, Monday through Friday. I am on Twitter at ESPN Christine. I'm on Facebook, uh, Christine Lisi. I'm on Instagram. I think it's Christine underscore Lisi. And then I have a blog if you want to. I don't take great pictures, but I, I do my recipes. It's cookiesbychristine.com. I will not argue with you about sports, but if you want to have fun, nice little conversation, you know, I'm all for it. And, and oh, by the way, your cooking drives us all nuts because it's so good with the cookies <laughs> I can smell and stuff. Uh, yeah. Right? Yeah. 
Unbelievable. You guys are the best. You guys are so kind. I, I got to, like, take a picture taking class or something because I was like, oh, these pictures are terrible. Like, I look at my blog and I'm like, oh, my God, what is going on here? I know. And the camera should just be point and shoot, right? I'm like, right. am I the only person that can't master a phone camera? Oh, my God. <laughs> Christine, you're wonderful. We love you. Thank you so much for taking time out of your night to come back and be a part of the show. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to you, Rob, and your family. We hope we get to catch up with you again soon. Our best to all. Yes, love you guys, too. Merry Christmas. Take care, now. Take care, Christine. Bye-bye. That is the great Christine Lisi. Bob, just a wonderful human being. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, she uh, she doesn't live too far from this area, Chris, and I had the opportunity to spend some time with her. She's very into um, dog rescues. She has a nice, beautiful rescue dog at home of her own. So, uh, just beyond what she does for a living, she's just a beautiful person. Yes, she is. And guess what, Bob? Our next guest is actually Tony Collins. He's actually holding on the line. Tony. We're going to get to talk to Tony right on the other side of this real quick station break. You're listening to Thursday Night Tailgate with Chris Mascaro and Bob Lazari, where NFL legends live on. Back to you, boys. He's all right, now back with us here to lead us through our five-star picks of the week is former Patriots Pro Bowl running back Tony Collins. Tony! Hi, Tony. How you doing, Chris and Bob? Doing good, buddy. <laughs> We're doing good. I, I I tell you what, Bob, I, I figured it out because <laughs> last week, Angelo Kane was hanging on the line waiting to talk to Tony after the after the Bills-Patriots game, and and then all of a sudden, no, Tony. I think he found out. I think someone tipped him off that Andrew was hanging on the line waiting for him. Oh boy! You know, I'm getting, I'm getting old. I'm getting old, Chris. I got, I, I, I did the day I put my alarm on. I was gonna make sure I did not miss the call. <laughs> That's good news. Make sure you you set that every week, Tony. Put I'm, that I'm as a repeating alarm. I'm getting, I'm getting old, man. I can't, I can't do it like I used to. <laughs> I hear you. All right, let's get everybody, including us, up to date with where the chase for the trophy stands. And Tony, you and I last week we both went three and two, but that wasn't good enough to catch Bob, who was four and one. And Tony, you and I, wow. we got a lot of work to do. I mean, my goodness, wow. Bob is Bob is unconscious this season. Tony, nineteen and six. Bob is wow. You, yeah, you and I are fifteen and eleven. We're you know, we are we are way back, or 15 and 10, I'm sorry. So we are way back. We got four games to catch up to reach Bob. And this, we, we, got, we got to go outside the box, Tony. I think we need to have Bob yeah, we, pick we, first. We, oh. got, we got time. We got time, Chris. We got time. Yeah, there All is right. time. Yeah, there is, but four games. My good Bob, unconscious. Like I say, <laughs> 19 and 6. All right, let's get into this week's game. We're going to start with. The eight and five Dolphins go into the ten and three Bills. The Bills are a seven point home favorite. Tony, can the Bills effectively sew up the AFC East by beating the Dolphins on time? I, I believe so. And, and it's all and it's all because it's all because of the weather. Um I, I think if they're playing in Miami or uh somewhere warm, Miami would have a chance. But Miami going up to Buffalo, playing in that cold weather, I don't know, I think it's supposed to snow. On Saturday, so uh, it's gonna be a low-scoring game. I, I think uh, Buffalo pulled it out uh, twenty uh, ten. 
Buffalo. Bob, who do you like? Yeah, as we said earlier in the show, Chris, I, I just don't see it happening. They have their number. I think it's kind of a statement game. Weather's going to be brutal. Um, you know, in an ugly game, there's no way Miami wins a game in Buffalo um, if they're slipping, sliding, whatever they're doing. But I still see Buffalo taking it. I'm going to say 27-17. Yeah, guys, I'm with you. I mean, the Steelers, 49ers, and Chargers have figured out the Dolphins' deep passing game. The Dolphins have been held to less than 17 points on average in those three games. Two of those games were in the last two weeks. And over those games against the 49ers and the Chargers, Tua is 28 of 61, a 46% completion rate, three touchdowns, two interceptions. He's been sacked five times. Now he gets the Bills defense in Buffalo with two-year points in a, in a day where we're going to potentially see, like Christine said, what, six, eight inches of snow, high of 20, low of 14. I mean, Tua is a kid from, like I say, Hawaii, played at Alabama, now in Miami. Boy, I, I, I'm sure he hasn't seen anything like this. So I'm yeah. with you. I, I think the Bills win this game, Bob. I got it right on the same number as you, 27-17. Yeah. Our second game is the surging 6-7 and seven Lions at the fading 7-6 and six Jets. The Jets are a one-point home favorite. Tony, the Lions won two in a row. Are they going to make it three? I think so. I, I watched play Minnesota. I'm not saying that Minnesota's a, a Super Bowl team right now, but, you know, they're 10-2 and two or something like that. They're probably the worst hitting, uh, team in the NFL. But anyway, Detroit, man, they can put up some points. I don't know what the weather's going to be like in, in New York, but I just don't see um, their quarterback, uh, I don't even know, is, is it White? I, I don't even know yeah, his right. name. Mike White. But uh, I just don't see him putting up as many points as uh, Detroit. Detroit can Detroit can put up some points. I'm going with Detroit. Uh, and I'm going with Detroit, uh, winning kind of big. 35-14 Detroit. Ah, right, here we go. There's a Tony Collins blowout yeah. special. Bob, is Tony right? You know, I, I'm leaning towards the Jets in this game for some reason. I, I watched them last week and their defense, Chris, it, it, as we talked about, is very, very good. Um, you know, in Detroit, their defense is not that good. So, in this case, Jets have a much better defense. Of course, Detroit has a better offense. So, if the conditions aren't ideal and everything, you'd have to give, I'd have to give at least a little bit of an advantage to the Jets. Salah's got them playing incredible defense. Seven and six, they have to win this game. Detroit obviously is on a bubble too. But the Jets, uh, this might be their season. So, an ugly game in New Jersey, Chris. I'm going to say the Jets come out of it 2017. Well, you know, like we've been talking about on this show for the last several weeks, I'm all in on the Lions. And what, two in a row, five of the last six. And like I mentioned last week, of their seven losses this season, five of them have been by four points or less, including a three-point loss to both the Bills and the Eagles. So they're hanging tough with the good teams. I, I just, I like the Lions. I like what we're, I'm seeing from them. I like the mojo. I like the excitement around it. I mean, Jared Goff is completing 67% of his passes in the last six games, 10 touchdowns, only one interception. He is indeed playing the best football of his career. And we all know how dangerous a quarterback playing with confidence can be to the opposition. The Jets, they, to your point, Bob, Jets don't give up a lot of points, but they don't score many either. Just 12 last week against Buffalo. And I love Mike White. I love his story. I just don't think, I think Tony's right, I just don't think they can score enough points to hang with the Lions, especially after the hit that Mike White took last week from Ed Oliver. The Bills really got hit hard 
in there. So I think it's going to be a close game, but I'm going with the Lions. I like them 24 to 19. Third game is the 10 and 3 Cowboys going to the 5 and 8 Jaguars. The, uh, the Cowboys are a four point road favorite. Tony, the Jags still have life in the AFC South somehow. Just two games behind the Titans. Can they take a giant leap forward by beating the Cowboys? I watched Dallas struggle with the Texans last year. I mean, you know, I just watching the game and just seeing uh, how Dallas played. I, I know they may have a few injuries on the offensive line, but going to Jacksonville, I, I, just just something about that team, man. That they 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 they, they have a, a decent offense. Their 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 uh their defense is not that bad, but uh you know Dallas going there. And I think they're going to go in there thinking that they can walk all over Jacksonville. So I'm going with them. Jacksonville 27-4. Get field goals this game. Wow. Tony does the, does the about face with the outset. Love it. Bob, what do you think? Well, I'm going to give Tony another chance to, to gain another game here. I'm going to go, <laughs> I'm going to pick Dallas. Um, you know, I think they, they, they had a lot of, they just looked Awful last week, little rusty here and there. I think they'll they'll uh, improve on whatever was holding them back last week. I just don't think Jacksonville can score with them in the end. Um, I think it'll be a competitive game, guys. But I'm going to say Dallas looks like the Dallas we expect in thirty twenty four Dallas. So I'm very close to that same score, Bob, uh, with the Cowboys. Um, you know, since though, but since the Jags have been left for dead. All they've done is one, two of the last three against division leaders. They beat the Ravens. They beat the Titans. Trevor Lawrence in his last five games, completing 72% of his passes, 10 touchdowns, no interceptions, passer rating of 111.7. Also showing some toughness because he's been sacked 11 times there. But, you know, I, I just think where the balloon pops for Jacksonville is defense. They're 27th and yards allowed in the game, 28th against the pass. And that's just what, what Jack and and C.D. Lamb and Tony Pollard, even Zeke, that's what they need. They need to come in and get a little healthy on offense. Pollard is uh, very quietly ninth in the league in rushing yards. Cowboys offense, third in the league in, in points scored per game at a shade under 28. And their defense, third. So offense playing well, defense playing well. I think they get things back together. I like the Cowboys as well, 27-20. Our fourth game. It's the seven and six Titans at the seven and six Chargers. The Chargers are a two and a half point home favorite. Tony, the Chargers are barely hanging on to their playoff hopes. They've lost three of the last five. The Titans are free falling as well. Lost three in a row. Which one of these gets a crucial W? I think the Chargers got their, 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 their full receiving quarterback. And, uh, I mean, they, they have one of the best quarterbacks in, in the league. And ten, if they can, if they can stop Tennessee from running the ball, because if if they can, if they can stop Henry, their their Tennessee's passing attack is just not up to par. They they don't have no go-to receivers. So Tennessee going all the way out to LA, got to take the Chargers to win this twenty-seven to seventeen. All right, Bob, who do you like in this one? I agree with Tony. Uh, you know, Henry is so much a part of their offense, and he's going to get his yards. I mean, Chargers are not a great defensive team. By any uh, standard of the day. So what, what's going to happen? I think Herbert. I mean, he just couldn't be stopped last week. He, he's incredible, and like Tony said, if he has his weapons. Um, but you're going to see some points score, guys. I'm going to say Chargers win this one, 34-24. Okay. And guys, 
I don't like anything I'm seeing from Tennessee right now. The most points they've scored in a game this season is 27, and that was only once. They, they've scored more than 20 points twice in their last eight games. They're just not putting anything up on the board. I mean, Tannehill is okay, but he's only thrown for 300 yards once this season. Tony, to your point, I mean, it's, it's Henry or Bust for, for the Titans. And, uh, you just can't rely on that guy all the time. And you can't not show to your point that you have a passing attack because teams are just going to load up the box, particularly good defensive team. And of the Chargers seven wins, only one though has come against a team with a winning record. So there's not a lot to like about either team. Last week's win over Miami was, was the only, you know, winning team that the Chargers have beat. But I guess if you look at this thing on the whole, who, who is the better quarterback is going to win the game? Who's going to lead their team down the field if they need to in a close game? And I, and I certainly trust Herbert better than I trust, uh, Tannehill. So I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to take the Chargers. I think, uh, they do well and get a win. I like them 24 to 20. Guys, our last game is the 7-5 and 1 Giants at the 7-5 and 1 Commanders. The Commanders are a four and a half point home favorite. Tony, these two teams played to a tie two weeks ago. Do we get an actual winner? This time around, and if so, who is it? You know, definitely get a winner. I, 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 I think it's going to be a close game, man, because these, these two battled out. It's a, it's, a, it's a conference divisional game. Uh, they both need to win. Uh, I just think Washington is just, just has a little, little, little better defense than the Giants. So defense wins games. Going with, going with the Giants, another close one, 27-24, uh, Washington. 724 Washington. Okay. Bob, who do you like? Yeah, I like, I like exactly what Tony said. They're, they are so evenly matched. Uh, this has all the inklings of a, of a very ugly game. You know, just the, the way they, the styles they play. Um, but the Giants defense, as you said last week, was pathetic. And, and teams are knowing right now that, you know, if you sparkly, the Giants don't win. I mean, it's, it's, it's that simple. So, uh, Washington knows that. And I think they, they get by the Giants. It's going to be ugly, guys. I'm going to say 21-14, Washington. Guys, the Commanders, like the Lions, are a team that I'm rooting for. They don't have an elite quarterback. They don't have an elite running back. Their best wide receiver, Terry McLaurin, is ninth in receiving yards, but only has three touchdowns. But they are getting the job done. Leaning a lot on that defense, which hasn't given up more than 21 points in their last nine games. And the Giants are struggling just to score 20 points in any game all season long. Teams are starting to realize that Daniel Jones is just a game manager. He's not going to beat you. So they're keying on Saquon, who has rushed for 22, 39, 63, and 28 yards over their last four games. So, guys, I'm with you. I like the Commanders. I think they win this game 24 to 16. No, nah, he won't be back in the Sure. Tom, Tom should have, Tom should have, uh, tired after he won in Tampa Bay. I, you know, I, I understand he loves the game and loves, loves to compete, but man, I, I, you know, I hate to see Tom go out. And I, I he, he's not going to win in Tampa Bay. So he's not going to take him to Of course, they'll make the playoffs tough. They're the best team in their division, <laughs> so they're going to get into the playoffs, but they're not going to go anywhere uh, in that first round. I mean, I just can't see it. Man. Their offense, uh, every I, I, and I watch them every 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 Sunday, and and you know I'm hoping for him that that he does good, but it's just it's just not there anymore, man. And I I, I hate to see him play like that. 
wish he would have retired after he won that uh, uh, Super Bowl in Tampa. But uh, I, I definitely don't see him going back to New England. I, don't, I mean, I, I hope he retires. I, that's what I hope. But if he plays another another year, I hope it's not with Tampa Bay. But I know I, there's no way he's going back to New England. That's, I don't think that's going to happen. But I hope, I hope all the best for Tom. Uh, should retire. Well, go out on top. Yeah, that is the way you want to go. Where where could you see him, Tony? Because he's talked about wanting to play to fifty. Could you see him anywhere else? Come on, man, fifty. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you, Tony. <laughs> I, I I don't know who says this, but Father Time, Father Time, man, he's undefeated. He he always wins. He doesn't. So, so you know, I, you know, I just I just I just hope he hope he retires. You know, he, he played good football this, this, this past season. Not bad, but just, he just don't have the receivers to go to. The, the receivers are hurt. Uh, they're not on, they're, they're not on sync. And I, I just hope he retires after this year. Definitely won't Tony, Tony, let our listeners know, remind them how they can follow you on social media and how to get a copy of your book. Go, go follow me on Facebook or you go to Instagram, Tony Collins. Uh, uh, we we got a bunch of books uh, to give out. We're gonna be we're gonna be doing a a, a big uh a book run at, at the beginning of January to the high schools high schools this year uh, starting in January once uh, Christmas is over with. Uh, but yeah, you can reach me on Facebook or uh, Instagram. Tony, take care, my friend. All the best to you and your family. Have we'll catch up again next week. God bless you, Christy Bob. See you, Tony. See you, Tony. That is Tony Collins in our five-star picks of the week. We've got our next guest, Gus Farad, hanging on the line. We're going to get to Gus right on the other side of this real quick station. Hear your favorite NFL legends sharing their stories and insights every week right here on Thursday Night Tailgate with Chris Mascaro and Bob Lazari. Take it away, guys. The door is locked. There's no way out. All right. Now back with us is former Pro Bowl quarterback Gus Farad. Gus has been a wonderful friend over the years, sharing his insights on the game, his former teams, plus what goes on in the mind of a quarterback. His support on social media has been outstanding, and his willingness to join us anytime is is one of the many reasons why we love Gus. He had an outstanding career in the NFL. He's a guy who worked hard, going from being a seventh-round draft pick to quickly beating out the number three overall pick in the draft for the starting job in Washington. He was selected to the Pro Bowl in 1996 when he threw for nearly 3,500 yards, back when the game was very different, and that was a lot of yards throwing back then. Gus is now the host of his own great podcast, Huddle Up with Gus, which you can hear on just about every major podcasting site. And he's also got a new venture with the alumni players, which we'll talk about here in a minute. He's a member of our 2019 Guest Hall of Fame, and we are very honored. He is back with us again tonight here on Thursday Night Tailgate. Hey, Gus, Chris and Bob, thanks for coming back on the show. Hey, Chris and Bob, how are you guys doing? We're fantastic. Chris, how have you been? I'm doing really well. Um, I'm excited to be back on with you guys. I guess I want to start out our time actually talking a little bit about what's going on with you and, and your show. Huddle Up with Gus is a tremendous podcast. I know you're doing some things now with the alumni players as well. Catch us up with what's been going on with you and your show. Yeah, so I put Huddle Up with Gus on pause a little bit. Um, it was It was... You know, I think just I just need a little break, and then uh, something else fell in my lap that I absolutely love, 
And that is uh, now I am working with former players to build their own podcast. Um, and, you know, the alumni gave, gave me a chance to go out and do this. So the part that I love, it's like probably why you guys love doing your show, is that I get to connect with all the guys. And it brings back a lot of memories and I get to continue a lot of stories that I let go out on the field or wherever I retired from. And Gus, you did so so many wonderful interviews on your podcast. Talk, talk about some of the stories that might have caught you off guard or you, you were surprised to hear that made you say, really? Wow. Yeah, I mean, there's so many that great people that I was that said yes and would come on my show, you know, from Matthew McConaughey and Michael Wilbon, James Brown, uh, just to name a few, you know, uh, you name it, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, who's a good buddy of mine and, and just, you know, it's, it's great stories. Plus I've had tons of authors on golfers, you name it. I, I kind of feel like you guys, Chris, you guys just are, are interviewing everybody. And the, my favorite thing about the show was that I never, I had a set of questions, but I never wanted to follow them. I wanted the conversation just to be organic and go wherever the guest wanted it to go. And that's when you really got some gems out of the whole thing. You mentioned Matthew McConaughey. When I listened to that episode, I was surprised to learn that he is actually a Washington Commanders fan, even though he grew up just outside of Dallas and then obviously went to the University of Texas. Did you know that that was who McConaughey grew up listening or uh, watching and that was his favorite team? Well, I knew that after I was there and he would come to the facility, he would come to the game. I think he was filming a movie in D.C., and he would come to the practice facility all the time. And he actually said, like, Gus, I remember when you dunked and, and we were playing basketball. And I'm like, I don't know. Maybe that was somebody else. That might not have been me. And he said, no, no, I remember that was you. But, uh, yeah, he he's always loved uh, Washington. And, and to hear his story, why he loved Cowboys and Indians growing up. And, you know, um, he, his favorite food was a hamburger. So, you know, the Washington Redskins had this linebacker, Chris Hanberger, and so that just that was his story, and that's why he fell in love with Washington. You interviewed another one of our good friends and and Rocky Blyer, and and Rock is another guy who's in our guest hall of fame like you are. We love Rocky. He may be the best storyteller on the planet. Talk about what you remember about the time you spent with Rock. Well, I mean, I've known Rocky since I moved back to Pittsburgh and, and met him several, several times at golf tournaments and different functions. I mean, the guy is such a good storyteller that he had a one-man play, right? So, I mean, he's just the guy is just an amazing person. He does whatever he can for the community and does whatever he can for veterans because he is one and he cares about them deeply. But uh, just, you know, Rocky, people probably, you know, they know him from his, his kind of veteran path, his dealer path. But you would know him as a great Golden Domer. And my story is from his high school time and trying to figure out where he was going to high school and how that all happened and then getting drafted. And it's not like today was a big to-do about it. I mean, somebody called and said, hey, Rock, drafted. He goes, oh, that's great. You know what I mean? It's just such a <laughs> different mindset. And, um, you know, there's so many guys that, that have stories like that that are older, that played in years past, um, you know, even like Morton Anderson told me a story about when he was playing at Michigan State, they were at his house and somebody called the home phone and somebody, they were having a party. He goes, I don't even remember the phone call. They just said, hey, 
you've just been drafted. And he's like, oh, okay, thanks, coach. And then that was it. Like, those stories are incredible to me, and it's not the fanfare that we see day in and day out with the NFL now. Five questions for Gus. Yeah, great to talk with you as usual, Gus. Uh, we've had a subject come up on the show the last few weeks about uh, young quarterbacks coming in the league, top draft pick, Gus, and whether or not they should be superstars right off the bat or at least perform at a very high level uh, right off the bat. You know, there's, there's that faction, well, you know, they're throwing his babies, they're getting the money, they're, they're, they put a lot of faith in this person. But then, you know, with the complex offenses, depending on what system they go to, et cetera, uh, what's your opinion on that? Is there a learning curve for almost everybody these days, Gus? No, there's no doubt. There's a learning curve for everyone. Um, and I think the experience that you get in college is, uh, yeah, I mean, you can't replace it if you're watching a guy like Brock Purdy with the San Francisco. I mean, the guy played for four years at Iowa State. Just can't, you know, compared to a guy who had one good year in college. That experience, yeah, he may be an incredible athlete. But you get to the NFL, it's a different monster, it's a different beast. They're studying, there's there's so much that goes into it. It's not just your athletic ability because the NFL evens that playing field. You have to be an extreme crazy athlete to be heads above anybody in the NFL. So when you get to the NFL, I think the longer you get to learn, the longer you get to study, the better a chance you have to make an extended career. Um, some of these young guys that go in, they have to play. Uh, you know, I, I feel bad for him because if you don't make an instant um, kind of uh, imprint on people's minds and on the fans' minds, they just can't accept you later on, right? It's it's crazy. Like Kenny Pickett's going through a little bit of that right now here in Pittsburgh, and uh, he's a good player. You know, they they're just rebuilding, and the fans and the radio they can't let go of that. Hey, I didn't really even want him to play this year. I didn't care how bad. The other quarterbacks are going to play. Just play them. Let Kenny sit and let let him take it all in. But you know, teams have other other ways to go about it. We uh, Chris had mentioned your Pro Bowl year, Gus, back in '96, and uh, this week I, I was checking out the roster of that team. And you look back and on offense, just some of the the players: Terry Allen, Stephen Davis, Leslie Shepard, Westbrook, Henry Ellard, in the twilight of his career. Brian Mitchell, probably one of my favorite players ever. Uh, at times, you probably felt like getting the candy store with such weapons. Was that the best offensive team you've ever been around? Um, it was definitely one of them. I mean, I, I'm really lucky as a player to play on some incredible teams. Um, if you look when I went to uh, Minnesota uh, in in '03, that team was incredible. Randy Moss, thought they called for the guys we had. They go to the Broncos, Ed McCaffrey, Rod Smith, you know, a lot of those guys were, were there. And then I go to the Rams and, you know, it's the end of that Ram era, but all those guys are in the twilight, like you said, but they're still there. And Isaac Bruce and Tory Holt and Orlando Pace and all these guys that, that played in that greatest show on turf. Now they weren't that anymore, but it just, it was just every team that I got to go to. Wow, it was incredible, and including being able to start in Washington and play with those great players. Gus, I want to go back to a couple of comments that you made, and I want to get get into Kenny Pickett a little bit. You know, I'm a huge Steelers fan, and it has surprised me how how much 
how many of the Steeler fans are already calling for whether they need to draft another quarterback. This kid's not working out, blah, blah, blah. And, and I keep trying to I get into it with, with folks on Twitter. Like, talk to me after the 23 season, maybe even into 24. You know, let this kid learn. Let him develop and grow. I make the argument that, you know, if we were pulling the plug on kids so fast, I mean, Josh Allen wouldn't be what he's doing right now for the Bills. Heck, you go back even further. You know, you, you pull the plug on Terry Bradshaw. He wasn't, wasn't very good for the first few years of his career. And Chuck realized he had a lot of talent and let him develop. And you pull the plug, Steelers will win those four Super Bowls. I mean, what's your thought? I mean, how, how much time would it, would you give? If you're, if you're an offensive coordinator, you're a head coach, how much time would you give a rookie quarterback to finally figure out what you've got? Yeah, that's, that's a great question because, um, every team's different. You know, some teams have a co- coordinator who's been there several years, prove themselves. I don't think the Steelers are in that situation with their coordinator. Um, and, you know, I think that's probably going to change. So you got to look at Kenny Pickett starting all over again, learning a new offense, learning a new system. The great thing about the Steelers though is they're not in a hurry. We've seen that. I mean, they're, they're calling for Coach Tomlin here to, to be run out of town. And the great thing about the Rooney's, they don't share. I mean, they love the fans. They want to be with the best for their team. But they're not letting fans and the people outside of the organization make calls for them. Um, they're going to stick with people they know that they can trust, are going to make um, good decisions for their group. And I think Kenny Pickett and all the young guys, they they got to take a few years. right? Like you said, they're going to go through people. They're going to go through uh, coordinators. And when they get that good mix, and uh, it, to me, it's crazy. Like they're talking about Jalen Hurts not being able to compete because there's a good team around him. Well, yeah, go put other quarterbacks in a situation. I guarantee that type stuff's not going to happen, right? He's a, they're right. a good team because he's a good leader and he's doing the right thing and throwing the ball in the right place. And I mean, the guy's throwing twenty some touchdowns to only three interceptions. That's pretty amazing. And I don't care what kind of team you're on, that's not easy to do. So. I think the young guys need some time. They need to work hard. And I think we're going to see that Kenny Pickett. Gus, when we talk about your 1996 season, the year you throw for 3,500 yards, that was good for sixth in the league. If you look at it, what, what that would have meant in the league last year would have been good for 19th. Many times people don't understand how the coverage rules have changed, the protection of the quarterback has changed, how much better would your numbers be now if you were playing under the current set of rules? I don't know. I mean, it, it, it's crazy to think about the difference of the game because I came out of a system in college where we were shotgun a lot and, you know, we were throwing the ball around a lot, a lot of fun, and I get to the NFL and, it's, you know, it's North Turner system, it's a fullback, it's tight end, it's running back, power football, big play action. It was a lot, of, a lot different. And, you know, I think Coach Turner's son now is the OC in, in DC. And I'm saying to myself, Oh, he probably took all his third down stuff and just made it first down stuff because that's the game. It's all shotgun and trying to figure that out. And, and we're seeing actually a little slide back into because defenses have changed to trying to compete with four receivers. And now the offenses are going back to that power running game. So it's fun to watch, but. Uh, who knows? You know what I mean? The thing about it is, if, if I didn't have the protection I did, I probably would have been back way more. I was the, the slowest guy on the football field. 
I want to get your thoughts on the commanders too this season, Gus. They're, they're right now in, in, in the playoff chase. There's six seed in the NFC. They, they're the only team, oh, by the way, to beat the Eagles this season. And they did it in Philly. Is, are, are the commanders, are they a playoff team and are they, are they someone that could be dangerous? I think you said the right word. They, they can be dangerous, right? They can win any game. They can lose any game. You know, they're not going in and you don't see them dominating, but you see them winning in those close situations, um, whereas a lot of other teams in those close situations don't win. So I think the commanders can be very dangerous um, as long as they stay healthy. They love their quarterback. You know, he's gritty. He's tough. Make a lot of the plays. Um, you know, they have a good defense. They might get Chase Young back, so we'll see what happens there and how he plays in the future. But they have a team that can surprise people, and, uh, you know, you can't take a break against the commanders team because if you do, uh, they're going to hurt you. Uh, more for Gus? Yeah, Gus, uh, that last year you played with Minnesota in 08, um, you were still playing at a very decent level, but you had been in the league 15 years. Um, was it your choice to just make that your last year? Uh, was it a physical thing? Did you just have enough? Or what was the main reason why 08 was your last year? Well, um, a couple things. Last play of my career, I broke my back against the Lions. <laughs> so that kind of ended that, that season. And then I really wanted to see if I could play again and, you know, go for 16. And I was talking to the Rams. That's where we were living in St. Louis at the time. And uh, went to get a physical. I failed my physical because my knees were too bad. So at that point, you're saying, okay, do I want to get another surgery, go through six-month rehab to try and play again? Um, and at that point, it's like, no, I, he's going to be a husband, a father, and, and try to move on with my life and figure out what the next steps are. So that was kind of it for me, but, you know, I was grateful to get 15 and uh, play with many people and as many teams as I did. And how about your off-season, Gus? Uh, what, did, what were they like as far as did it change a lot between the time you came in at age 23 as opposed to your late 30s? Did you throw a lot in the offseason, working out? Tell us about, like, your normal routine throughout that time. Yeah, it was mainly, like, when the team was in and they wanted to stand up then every time. Um, there wasn't a lot of extracurriculars. Uh, we didn't have offseason, like, kind of eating programs. We didn't have a lot of those things they have now with all the technology they have for the players. Um, I can remember when I first went to Washington, they didn't even have lunch for us or breakfast. So you had to bring your stuff in. You had to order really? it out to get it in for lunch. Wow. Yeah, they didn't have any of that stuff. So that stuff has come around in the last 30 years. And now it's all part of every team and every um, building you go in. You see you see the great cafeteria, the weight room, all the technologies in the training room. Uh, guys have every advantage to take care of their bodies. Um, and, and really be in, in top shape because even when I first came in, it wasn't year round. You took that one or two months off. That's what everybody did for you. And now it's like, okay, we're going right back in, training again, staying in the weight room, staying, you know, obviously you got to let your body heal, but you know, staying in that shape so you don't have to get back in shape. It's a big difference. Gus, one more before we let you go. And I want to get your thoughts on one of your other former teams. And that's the Vikings. They look like a team that could go pretty far this, this season. Justin Jefferson, that guy looks unstoppable. And you add in Dalvin Cook and boy, what an offense they have. What are your thoughts? How far can the Vikings go? 
I don't know, you know, because they kind of, even though the record is way better than commanders, they're kind of like the commanders. They can be dangerous. But then you see last week they lose to the Lions, right? And, uh, and you're just wondering in your head, who really are they? They lost the game by 30-some points. Uh, the next week they quit 30 points up. And so you're trying to figure out who is this team, what are they made of? And, uh, 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 you know, there's a lot, I think, that's a lot of pressure on Kirk Cousins because we've seen him play some incredible games, and yet we haven't seen him do very well in the playoffs. And so I think that for him to solidify his legacy and what the Vikings want to do, they have to start, they have to win out through the season, and then they have to get in the playoffs and play extremely well. Because like you said, they have incredible players, Justin Jefferson, no matter who is the DB against them, he's putting up 200 yards for DB every week, it seems like. And it's just a lot of fun to watch him uh, run some routes. So there's some incredible young receivers out there, but the Vikings, it's just, I think they're, they're still struggling a little bit with that, who they are and that identity. Gus, before we let you go, let our listeners know, how can they stay up to date with all the things you're doing and follow you, whether it's online or it's on social media? Yeah, so uh you can follow me personally at Gus Broad on social media and then the new venture is called um we're we're working with the NFL alumni, so it's at NFLAPodcast.com. And then uh soon we'll be changing that over to NFL Alumni Media Network. But uh you can follow that at NFLAPodcast.com. You can go to NFLAPodcast.com, check out the new website which should be up on Monday. Um, and we're just doing this for the guys. It's, it's, it's everything that you need as a podcast. Chris and Bob, you know how hard it is. And a lot of guys want to tell their stories, but they have no idea what to do. We're going to do a turnkey effort for our guys and give them every opportunity to go out, generate revenue, tell their stories and own it themselves. So it's really exciting. We got, we got about 18 shows. We're getting ready to add a few more and we're even doing college shows. We're going to have a few. Uh, show coming up and a Golden Dome show. So it's going to be a lot of fun and I really enjoy my time producing shows. That's fantastic stuff, Gus. Kudos to you for doing that. Look forward to following you and following the new venture hearing all the great things and all the wonderful stories that those guys are going to tell. Thank you so much for taking time out of your night to come back and be a part of the show. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to you and your family. Hopefully we get the privilege of catching up with you again soon. Keep in touch, Gus. Yeah, happy holidays, Bob. Appreciate you guys having me on. And anything you need, let me know. Text me. I'll be right there for you guys. You guys are doing an unbelievable show. And Thursday Night Tailgate is a great show, and everybody's got to listen to it. Ah, we appreciate that very much. much. Thank you, guys. Take care. All the best to you and your family. We'll catch up soon. Talk to you. You too. Take care. Bye-bye. That is Gus Farad. Bob, I love that guy. What a wonderful I got my Gus Farad jersey on as we speak, as a matter of fact. What a great friend and uh guy that uh had a good career and uh, now doing some great stuff. I love that. Yeah, I, I just thought it was terrific. As you mentioned, Huddle Up with Gus, great podcast, Chris, but he uh he sees more that he can be doing and man, what a what a legacy that leaves as far as uh, what he's doing for some of these older players, which we love to hear. And uh we'll probably like to hear more about that the next time he's on. Yes. Hopefully we get to hear more about the great stories those guys are telling. All right, we've got our next guest, Jim Everett, hanging on the line. We're going to get to Jimmy right on the other side of this real quick station break. This is Reggie Kelly, former Cincinnati Bengals and Atlanta Falcons tight end. And you're listening to TNT, Thursday Night Tailgate. Brace yourself for the explosion. 
Bob, from out of the blue today, I get an email from Jim Everett, Jim Everett saying he's available to join us tonight. And what a huge thrill that is. Always a wonderful thing when uh, Jim's a part of the show. And one of the many things that I love about Jim, not only is, is he a great member of our inaugural Guest Hall of Fame class, and one of the early guests that ever came on this show, going all the way back to 2012, but one of the best moments of my life, and I tell this story all the time because it meant a lot to me, I think Jim had been on the show maybe two or three times at the time, and, and I called to ask him if he would be available to come back on, and he answered the phone with, hey, Chris, which meant I was actually in Jim Everett's contact list, and I thought, I am in someone's contact list who is someone, and that that always stuck with me, how, how I don't know, wonderful, special that made me feel, and he has just been a great friend of the show ever since someone that we are very thankful for and um bob to to be able to say now joining us for the 24th time is jim everett is fantastic hey jimmy who does hey, it? If, if i ever feel i figured out how to hit the block uh on the phone i i would have i would have been only here a few times <laughs> but dang, I, I can't operate the block but dang it chris <laughs> Gus Barat plug at the end right there. You know, I'm telling you, that guy is all, he's Superman, that dude. I'm telling you, he's, he's, a, he's a good cool. human being. Yeah. Yes, Gus is a great dude, and we're very blessed. Yep. To, just like to have you, we get to have Gus on our guest Hall of Fame, so we're blessed to have both of you guys. Uh, Jim, well, it's because you guys are good guys, and I'm telling you, if pe- people know it, your listeners know it, and uh, the guys you talk to know it. So it's it's, it's obvious to everybody, and, and it's got some new listeners on. You know, get used to TNT. It's a fun place. I appreciate you. So, Jimmy, you told me in in the email that you were testing out some new equipment. So what I hope that means is the Jim Everett podcast is just around the corner. Is that right? No, I'm I'm actually doing a bunch of different things. But, you know, with all the uh, – I've got a little studio now, and we're doing a bunch of different uh, projects. I'm actually working for Valley Sports and – we're doing, you know, the quality of the stuff we're doing that is a little bit, you know, we're trying to be a little bit better than Zoom and, and, uh, we're growing from there and it's really a fun, uh, fun project. But no, I just keep upgrading my equipment. It keeps costing more. You know how it works. We all, we all do stuff that we have our home offices and it just, uh, it keeps expanding. And like I told you before, I'm not that good on electronic, but I'm figuring it out. So Jim, I got to get your thoughts now on, on your RAM. I mean, I thought it was, Unbelievable that Baker Mayfield signs on Tuesday, starts on uh-huh. Thursday, and gets them a win. I can't imagine. Like, what was that? What could that have been like? How how could a, uh, a new quarterback in a new system with guys he's just introduced himself to go out and, and be on the same page and get that win? Well, it's funny you bring it up because I was actually in the stadium and I was right next to the booth where the where the coaches were up up top, and I, I kept looking over to watch. Like, how are they getting the plays into him? How is he, you know, be able to decipher it? So I talked to Liam Cohn after the game. And uh, what they did was genius, I thought. So what they did is they gave him the two-minute offense, right? They didn't even have the – they played Sunday, all right? And they didn't have the game plan in Tuesday. He lands Tuesday. So they didn't know all the plays. and They didn't want to give him, you know, all these, you know, extra plays to remember and not call it up. So they said, look, we need him to be able to run the two-minute offense. We're going to give him eight or 12 plays, right? 
So they, they have one word names for these plays, and all the fellows know the play. Just Baker picking it up. So he picks them up. Then they go through and say, okay, we need, are you familiar with these concepts? And Baker, you tell us what you're familiar with. So they run Baker-friendly concepts that he's run prior coming over. Because he's run a couple of these, um, you know, the Browns and going over to Panthers. So they, they, they pick some complimentary plays that he had, you know, knew the concept. So it's not like a brand new, you know, running something brands make it, you know, new like you're doing in preseason. And so they went with those number of plays. You know, a couple runs here, a couple things there. Uh, but he did a magnificent job. What the people don't realize is that what he did coming in on a and be able to do that with minute 45, 98-yard drive, no timeout, and go down and win that game, that's unheard of. That's, that's stuff they make movies of. I'm just trying to figure out which actor is going to play Baker Mayfield. <laughs> 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 it's, it's, Jim, what, what do you think his opportunity is there with the Rams? I mean, you know, we've heard whispers in the wind that, you know, maybe Stafford doesn't come back next year. Maybe he retires this out of the other. I mean, do you think that Baker's got an opportunity to stick around and be a Ram in 23, or is he auditioning for everybody else now? I think he had a better opportunity with the Rams than he had with the Panthers. How about that? <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> I mean, if they're cutting you midseason, your opportunities are kind of gone. And uh, and, I, and I do think Sam Darnold could do some things or at least manage a game. And P.J. down there in Carolina was playing pretty good, too. But, um, you know, I, I think it gets to the point where, um, you know, let's look at the Rams. The Rams season, the fall from the Super Bowl afterwards, this has been like crazy. I mean, let's get to how Stafford got beat up in the first place. This offensive line has been uh, decimated. Andrew Whitworth retires. They bring no in at left tackle. He gets hurt. He's on IR all year. They bring in another tackle. He gets hurt. He's out. They're in their fourth tackle, like the third center. And all the, and the only guy that's, uh, have a seen the right tackle is the only guy that's the original. He's the OG, you know, him. He's the captain of the team, but. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, as, as Baker Mayfield had introduced himself in the huddle to all these new guys, he's looking up all these new faces, calling plays he doesn't know stuff about. Each one of those guys are looking at each other like, who are you? So, I mean, it's been a turn <laughs> over there. It's been crazy. So, and then Stafford was behind that, this offensive, you know, make, make up like Plato up front, and he was just getting racked. And, he has some sort of injury, and I'm not a doctor, and I don't know, but it's, you know, a, a spine, somehow, somewhere in his spine, he got a bruise on it, a contusion on the, on the spine somewhere. And so, you know, I think those are, those injuries there, when you have a spine involved and a nerve that you're shooting down to your legs every time you get hit, something going on. So they just backed off of that. They don't, I don't think they really know what his status is for next year. So, you know, they, they have Wolford behind him. They have Perkins behind him. They, those guys couldn't get much done behind the offensive line either. And, you know, here Baker pulls out a freaking miracle. It's unbelievable. But I think Baker has an opportunity. I mean, I don't know where he'll sign. I think it's a one year deal with his with. So, you know, if he decides to sign somewhere else, free agent, then that's good too, I guess. The other thing the Rams have done, and, and obviously it paid off, is they've mortgaged a lot of their draft capital 
for free agents and trades and all that sort of stuff to, you know, to get the team that, that obviously won the Super Bowl last year. But it's going to hurt in the future, right? They, they, they don't have a first, a fourth, or a fifth round pick come next April. They may get some compensatory pick. But do you think the, the blueprint was right? Was that the right thing to do to, to draft all of that to, to, to have a one shot at a Super Bowl and pulling it off? Or well, is it going to hurt for deal. years to come? Well, that's, that's two different issues. If you're a general manager, what's your ultimate goal? Yeah, you want to win the Super Bowl. Hard yeah, you yeah. want to have one. And when Les Need saw that there was an opportunity, and let's take the Matthew Stafford pick trade, you know, by trading Jared Goff, bringing in Matthew Stafford, he thinks he's completing the puzzle because he thinks he's got Aaron Donald, who, who knows how much time Aaron has left, uh, you know, playing at that level. He had you know, and then you had opportunity to rent Von Miller for a little bit because you need two pass rushers to win a Super Bowl. And that's why I look at when Von Miller goes down with Buffalo, like, who's your second pass rusher over there? You know, as far as winning Super Bowls, you need two pass rushers. So they went out and filled, you need a blue quarterback or a number one quarterback, you need a good wide receiver like Cooper Cup was, you need a couple pass rushers, you need a shutdown corner. There's just certain things every Super Bowl team has. It's just not one-sided. In the days of Trent Dilfer winning a Super Bowl are, are far and few between, but you need to have all these components, and, and they went out and got those, and it did cost them, so they got a trophy. Now, the second part of your question is, was it worth it? Will they have to pay? And the answer is probably going to be yes, unless you can be a draft guru and hit every third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round as instant starters, your team's going to suffer. and. I wouldn't say that this has just happened just this year because there's still talent on the Rams team. But the number of injuries, and it seems to me, Chris, the number of injuries around the NFL seems to be high. But anyways, um, that's neither here nor there. But healthy teams win Super Bowls. The Rams weren't hurt last year. They were healthy for most of the year. The only person they really got hurt was uh, their safety. And then Eric Weddle, they found off the street, who did a magnificent job to help them win that Super Bowl. So, you know, it's just a matter of luck, a matter of this. But, yeah, they mortgaged the future. Yes, they did. Was it worth it? Yes, it was. So, I don't I think this could be, can it be yes, yes? Sure. So, let's take what so you I, said a moment ago a little bit further, Jim. It, okay. you know, more injuries around the league. Now, this is in a league that is doing more than it ever has to try to protect players. So mm-hmm. we are seeing more injuries. So in, in, mm-hmm. as a former player, do you, is that we're not hitting as much as we used to do in, in training camp and in practice and all of that sort of thing? So is that leading to more injuries? Are the fields that we need to go to all grass? Is this turf grass thing not helping out to cut down on injuries? What do you think is driving? Well, I mean, Kyler Murray the other night was on a grass field and blew his ACL. So. You know, you you take one of the Giants receivers on a turf field and blew his ACL. So, I mean, you're going to have certain things, but I know Kyler didn't have the right shoes on the field because slippery field. So, and we all know that players know that when you start playing on grass and it starts to get November, December, break out the long cleat. Anybody in short cleat is a fool. So, the turf is just turf. And I, and I would, if I was, I posted that day, if I was commissioner of the league or if someone was commissioner of the league, First thing I do, I change all fields to grass. Now, it doesn't mean grass is going to hold up in Buffalo in December. 
But then again, why don't they have a dome up there and have grow lights? Come on. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <Lucas>, come on. <laughs> Five questions for Jim. Yeah, Jim, it's great to speak with you as usual. I'm going to ask you a question that I asked Gus about new quarterbacks coming in the league mm-hmm. and the the learning curve, Jim. I mean, it seems like there's a faction of people that say, well, number one pick should come right in, and the reason why they drafted him is because, uh, you know, he should win right away regardless of what kind of team, blah, blah, blah. But then you have guys, you know, like Zach Wilson. I mean, they're just not ready. They need to be understudying something. Jim, what's your opinion on all that? We, we, we've gone both ways with this the last year. Well, let's, let's look at this. We're all, we're all fingerprints. None of us are the same. Bob, you're different than Chris and Chris, I'm different than you. So we can't put everybody in the same glove and think that every finger is the same. So we don't know, like, for example, um, the quarterbacks come from different systems. Jared Goff came from, you know, that, uh, um, the, you know, that system they're running down in, at, uh, uh, TCU right now from Sonny's system. That's, uh, uh, Red Rider. What the hell of it? Anyway, um, so he might not have as much exposure to them like a Carson Wentz came from a system that was running a pro system. Pair of golf to a Carson Wentz when they both were coming out. They had different knowledge of the game. Same with receivers. Same at, same at all the other positions. But I think what it, what it gets down to is you still have to coach. And guys are going to learn different. Everyone learns different. I, I, might, I might have to walk through things to learn. I can, other guys can learn it off the board. Other guys can learn it off the, you gotta figure out how they, how the player learns. And then do that. And there's some coaching staff that are better at it than others. Brock Purdy coming in from Iowa State. You know, he's not asked to do the things that maybe Pickett's asked to do in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh has a full installation. They have that, they've had some running back issues over there. They've had different, different things, but he's, um, you know, uh, we're talking about Wilson up in New York. He's dealing with other rookie and young wide receivers that maybe Purdy doesn't have to deal with in San Francisco because the system's different. So you, you've got different systems, you've got people, you've got different coaches, and I don't think we could put it in one bucket. So I do think the expectation that if you're drafted early, you have something going for you. If it's physical talent, but you better have some mental talent how you're going to be a first-rounder. And I think sometimes that escapes some of the draft people. Um, take a guy like Cooper Cup. He's mentally off the chart when it comes to stuff. And he was a third-rounder. But his physical part didn't match up to, say, a Jefferson in Minnesota. But he can make up for it. But they ask him to do different things. So, I mean, it's all a matter of what part of the system you're in. Now, the, thing, the funny thing why I compare the Vikings right system. And they got Jefferson in the Cooper Cup role. And he's making 200 yards a game. Just saying. And that's what Cooper Cup was doing last year. That's the role. But you go over and get in that Tennessee offense and you get a guy um, he's in Philly now, the wide receiver, Brown. A.J. Brown. You, you put him in Tennessee and he's away. Oh, he's running plant wrap. You put him over in the Eagle and he got, um, uh, what, what Hertz is doing, he's more wide open. 
So there's more opportunity for him. So if you want to kind of compare someone on a Tennessee offense as compared to the Eagles offense, there's a good comparison guy right there. So it's all, it's all different. It's how they're used. It's, you know, you take some quarterbacks, they don't have good offensive lines, you get, you get Detroit. That's a team I'd be scared of right now. Their offensive line is beast. They got a good runner. Jared Goff is dishing pretty good. Their receivers are coming on and now they're getting wins too. I mean, that team's on the rise. It doesn't surprise me they beat Minnesota. It doesn't mean Minnesota's that bad. It's just Detroit's getting good. We want to ask you about a team that's not looking as good, Jim, and that's Tampa Bay and the whole Brady thing down there. Uh, Mike Evans and Julio Jones and Fournette, you would think that with these weapons, they'd be better than they are. Uh, Brady is not Brady of five years ago. He's shown that he can still come back in game. Is it a, is it a Todd Bowles thing down there, Jim? Is it a fact that Brady probably should have went out a couple of years back on top? Uh, what do you foresee in the near future for him? I don't know. Few people are going to be like Andrew Whitworth that can <laughs> play for the Rams last year and, and then play. He's 40 years old and his last game is the Super Bowl and he goes off. I mean, that's one in a minute. Tom had opportunities, but Tom still has to fire the play. I saw Peyton Manning play a little bit longer and he probably should. I mean, it's, you can't judge a man on that, but let's take Tampa Bay specifically. Um, the receivers have been hurt. Evans has been hurt all year long. He doesn't even look like he's running correct right now. Um, the Godwin's coming off a knee. Um, he's coming back, but he still doesn't. Sometimes it takes a while to come back off that knee. And I know they say eight, nine months to get to the field, but I was just talking with the NFL doctor, uh, Jessica Flynn. She was talking about sometimes it could take two years to come back from ACL. So, you know, there's, there's different things. Their offensive line and the interior is horrible. Tom Brady, not a mobile quarterback. You take you take the the middle of that, start gut rushing, a gap blitzes, stuff like that. He's got to dish the ball out a lot quick. Fournay is is doing. I really like White on that team. He's doing some good things, but he's young. But um, I just don't look like they're playing well together. But anyone can win that that conference down there. I mean, they're it's wide open. I mean, the fact that Atlanta's still eligible, Carolina's still eligible. And they got Tampa, and somebody's got to win out of that, don't they? That's what they say. Well, I didn't even mention New Orleans, maybe. But anyways, the other one is there for the taking. Jim, I know Jared Goff has said that he is playing the best football of his career right now, to your earlier point about how well the Detroit Lions play. And and Bob and I have been on the Lions bandwagon now for several weeks. But you got a a heavy dose of Jared Goff when he was there Mm -hmm. playing for the Rams. What is, is anything different or is it all the other parts around him are just so much better in that offensive line? To your point, really, really good. Is that the difference or have you noticed growth in Goff's game? Oh, holy no. I remember Jared Goff coming out here. And if I don't remember correctly, he was on some TV show not knowing the which way the sun set. I mean, that's how confused he was on some of the stuff that was coming out here. <laughs> like, what? But anyways, this, uh, these guys remember that hard knock where he said something like that. Anyways, the, uh, Jared, and that's one thing about the quarterback position. Let's take Geno Smith up in Seattle. He, he was, you know, a perennial backup for a year. Or well, he was at the Jets and they gave him an opportunity to start, but he was super young, but he got to sit behind 
Brady some years and sit by some, behind some great quarterbacks and even Russell Wilson. And I think he had one of the best years ever. I mean, this year. So, yeah, if guys are willing, they can learn. They apply themselves, they can learn. Jared Goff seems to go down that road. Like I said, he came out of offense that was not NFL friendly. The Cal Bear offense was not some of the stuff, same stuff we do in the NFL. I know it's hard to believe, but there was a, his learning curve was steep and he was not mentally prepared, not mentally good early on. And that's where I think when McVeigh was like, I need you to be somewhere farther along in your development for us to win a Super Bowl. So I think that was the frustration. And Jared just wasn't there. Now, is he getting there? I do think he's getting there. But that's where McVeigh made the trade for Stafford, thinking he mentally gets it. He understands this team is primed. It's ready to, it's ready to win. And McVeigh knew that was the time, which I think is pretty, pretty smart of him because there's a lot of guys that will go to the, you know, playoffs and know it's going to be limited. How far will Brock Purdy take 49ers in the Super Bowl when he has to play a good defense? It's going to be a challenge for 49ers. They got a good team. I'm not saying he can't pull it off, but it's going to be high odds against to go deep in the playoffs. So that was the same thing that Jared Goff going back to him. He's a good quarterback. He can make every throw. He's not your most mobile guy, but he's smart. He gets rid of the ball. He does some good things. Does he do um, good things all the time? No. Is it getting better with age? Yeah. So he's taking care of the ball. He's making better decisions. Was he doing that three years ago? No. Is he doing it better? Yes. Now, yes. And he's running an offense that's more, um, a little bit more, uh, you know, run oriented, run oriented first. And I think that plays to his game. And then he can choose and hit the bombs. I mean, they're stretching the field. He's not, as I was saying earlier at Valley Sports the other day, Jerry Goff checked out that couple years ago. He's just looking for the completion. Now, he'll strike deep. And he's not afraid to go there. He would go deep and had the ability to go deep. He used to have confidence. You know, I'm telling you, when they get that number one pick rolling, that's fast. And Detroit Lions will beat deep all the time. Jim, you're a, a tremendous football mind. With your Purdue Boilermakers announcing Ryan Walters as their new head coach, why not Jim Everett, offensive coordinator? Why are we not seeing stuff like that? <laughs> I think Drew Brees is going to take that over. Matter of fact, Drew Brees just signed up. He's going to be the offensive coordinator for the uh, Citrus Bowl down there. <laughs> I don't know who he's going to coach if any of the, the seniors show up for it. I think it's going to be like a spring ball game. Or maybe some of the LSU <laughs> guys will, will take it off as well, and it'll be even. <laughs> but... But you know, I'm, I'm pulling, I'm pulling around in a bunch of different areas. I, I appreciate it. Uh, probably a, a time and effort, Chris. The coach's life, I'm telling you, is dedicated. I was, I just didn't, Quinn Early is a friend of ours, one of our receivers. He just, he just did this, uh, just, uh, made this movie, and I'll let Quinn tell you the name of it, but it was about Hayden Fry and about his family and about all the things that happened at Iowa. And it was wonderful. But you also get the impression that his kids, at some point, didn't get as much time. Because he's, you know, you have two families. You have your work family, 
and you have your other family. And Chris and I think, you know, I've raised three kids and this and that, and my youngest, my youngest one's about ready to graduate. Maybe I have time for that. Maybe I'll have time for that. It would be fun. I enjoy it. Yeah. I totally get thrilled out of the strategy. Um, but it's a dedication. Coach's life, talking to Wade Phillips today, those guys, they live it. They breathe it. And, and the, and your spouse and the people around you have to really understand that. So awesome. anybody out there that's listening that wants to be a coach, just know, have some flexible people in your life. <laughs> <laughs> Jim, I want to get your thoughts on the former Boilermakers head coach, Jeff Brown, going back to his alma mater at the University of Louisville as the head coach. It's tough to go mm-hmm. home again. Just ask Scott Frost about what it's like to try to go home again. Do you think that was a wise move on his part? Well, I don't know if it's wise. Everyone has their own bucket list, and they have to make their checks. And if that was in his bucket list, then go for it. You know what I mean? I mean, and everybody has their their things they want to get done in life. And if that's a if that's one of those things, do it. Um, I don't know going from you know the type of school that that Purdue is down to you know Louisville is if that's you know doesn't seem like an upgrade to me. But it has to be something else, has to be family. And maybe that's some of the things that we were just talking about just two minutes ago. Maybe that applies with him um, wanting to give back to the community that gave him so much. So, yeah, that would make sense. I, I don't know if I would call it wise or unwise, but I would call it a decision that maybe came from his heart. And sometimes you just got to go. Jim, staying with the Big Ten. How big would it be for the conference to have Michigan and Ohio State wind up in the national championship game against each other? That's going to be one hell of a game. And, you know, we, we just talked about that. Um, the fact that they're both Big Ten and they're still alive and they're going and there's no Alabama, um, pretty amazing, really. Georgia's, Georgia's team, I mean, they're, they've got right. a mix that can beat you running, passing, defense. I mean, they're probably the most well-rounded, but hey, you never know when you play those games, anything can happen. And if it ends up Michigan or Ohio State again, that would be pretty amazing. I mean, I mean, I know it's going to be played at SoFi. I'd probably be there. Jim, before we let you go, let our <laughs> listeners know, how can they stay up to date with all the great things you're doing and follow you, whether it's online or it's on social media? Well, first of all, Chris and Bob, it's always good to to be on with you guys. It really is a pleasure. I mean, I really do think that you guys are some of the best human beings ever. But if you want to follow me, just usually Twitter is my best place to get a hold of me. And if you're not on Twitter, go ahead and get on Twitter. We don't. Um, there's all you know, people say all sorts of stuff. But go to at Jim underscore Everett. Give me a follow. I'll usually follow you back. But uh, take what I say with a grain of salt because I love playing with people. So uh, it's all it's all good humor. <laughs> Jimmy, you're the best, my friend. Thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to come back and be a part of the show. Hey, you know we love you Chris, 24 I, times. Can I ask one quick question? For sure. Hey, they're building a they're they're building a new stadium in Buffalo, and I just posted this today. Why not a dome? Why not a dome? Yes. All right. You, you need to ask Ann. Why gotta, not I a dome? I gotta go. You talk, you talk to Bob about it. I gotta go. You guys think about why not a, 
We'll have an answer the next time. <laughs> That's right. Boy, Take Jimmy. All the best to you and your family. Merry Christmas. <laughs> happy, happy holidays. All right. See you, Jim. See you, Jim. That is the great Jim Everett. I'm telling you, Bob, the guy's got a, an incredible football mind. I've been bugging him for years. Like, Jim, you got to get into coaching. And I get it. It's, it is a way of life. And it's, it's you know, 24-7 when you're a coach, and whether it's in college football, especially in the NFL. But I think that guy needs to be on a sideline somewhere. Yeah, he's, well, you know, the thing with Jim, Chris, you know he's such a family man. So, you know, I'm sure it's you're weighing a lot of things. Uh, but you're right, as far as X and O's and the Purdue education, I mean, he combines it all. Um, in addition to just being one of our best friends we've ever had on the show. But, you know, I, I was looking at his numbers, Chris. When he led the league in 88 touchdown passes, uh, his favorite target that year was a guy we had mentioned earlier, Joe Henry Eller, who ended his uh, career with, playing with uh, Gus Farratt, and that was toward the end of his career. But Eller, that year in 88, 1,400 yards, Chris, there's another guy that should probably be in the Hall of Fame. We got to get right. on his bandwagon too. Look at his numbers when he gets in. Absolutely, and yeah, a lot of people are on that bandwagon, scratching their head yeah. just like we do over Richmond Webb and Ed White. But yeah, another guy who should be in the Hall. All right, when Bob and I come back, we'll be turning on our Thursday night tailgate spotlight on the positive. Here, two more great stories about guys out there doing great things in their community. We'll do it right on the other side of this real quick station. Thursday Night Tailgate, where the spotlight is always on the positive. Tune in Thursday night from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time to hear your favorite NFL legends, players, and coaches sharing their stories. Now back to Chris and Bob. I wouldn't joke about anything else that happened to you tonight. All right, we are back here on Thursday Night Tailgate, turning on our spotlight on the positive. Bob, who are you shining your spotlight on this week? You know, it's a very familiar name, Chris, but until I did more research on him, I, I didn't realize the scope to which this guy touches others. Uh, we all know Derrick Henry, his name has already come up on the show tonight, and how great of a running back, Chris, probably headed to the Hall of Fame someday, ex-Alabama superstar, et cetera, et cetera, but I was reading about he is the uh the Titans nominee for the Walter Payton Man of the Year. So we're going down that list of uh, each team, all 32 guys. Uh, I'm going to feature one guy every week. But I, you know, and I and not to drum this one up more than any other, Chris, but out of all the guys I've ever featured, I don't know if I've ever seen a resume of guys of what they've done off the field quite like Henry. Um, you know, I'll give you the short version. I mean, he runs something called the Two Wall Foundation. Well, you know, he wears number 22 on his, uh, his jersey, but basically he, uh, his Two Wall Foundation basically provides support to all adolescents. That's pretty much why it's named that. And it's all about, uh, you know, dealing with kids and, uh, you know, he, as a kid, he struggled with, uh, you know, a lot of things as far as, you know, not having enough and things. So this is a guy now that he's doing well. Um, he saw a lot of people struggling, uh, like he did as far as financially. And he went back to a couple schools in his old area and he basically donated track suits for the players and coaches. Cause this is a program that had nothing, you know, and uh, he, he made a major financial impact on getting this team, um, back to playing, you know, football, backpacks, water, you name it. Uh, but other things he's done, he's done um, things about uh, giving girls an edge. Uh, it's Bridgestone Pyres teamed with them to uh, help a lot of middle school 
middle school girls became STEM leaders down there off the field. Um, there's such a list of things. And again, you have to go to the NFL website, go to the Titans page, or just go to the NFL man of the year. Uh, there's another guy. I mean, he, he, he spends a lot of weekends, Chris, uh, hunger free weekends. He calls them for a hundred children at, at a time at an elementary school. Uh, he's the first to support all these initiatives when they do that. And we mentioned the crucial, crucial catch in the past. You know, the cancer, uh, and everything as far as for his loved ones, he's had a lot of people impacted by that. Uh, he's done that. And, uh, just to, to end this, and not, I haven't even scratched the surface. He's always teamed up, uh, he's also teamed up with Mars Pet Care, uh, to promote shelter and pet adoption, something I'm very familiar with. And, uh, re- just recently he was, uh, responsible for 150 pelter- shelter pets finding home. So I can go on and on, Chris. I just did not know the scope of what this guy, and you know what he does on the field. I don't know how he has time to do it, but if you read this, uh, it goes on and on. There's 10 more paragraphs here to read. So uh, if this guy doesn't win the award, that kind of shows you what kind of competition we feature each week at this uh, segment. But kudos to Derek Henry, man. I'll, I'll never forget this. Yeah, no, what what a fantastic thing. And I know we've spotlighted Henry in the past, but uh, to see that he continues to grow and expand the things that he is involved with and doing great things is, is fantastic stuff, Avineo. To think that you probably only got through half of the things that he's done in this segment yeah. and to think he's doing more, even more than that. What a great guy. Great, great player to your point, but even a better human being. Good for Derek Henry. Good for you for spotlighting him this week. I'm going to put my spotlight on Bronco safety Kareem Jackson. On Monday, he hosted his annual Christmas Give Back event called Shop with a Jock with 50 local kids ranging in age from 6 to 17 from the Boys and Girls Clubs. They were treated to a $100 gift card from Walmart, dinner plus a t-shirt from the event. And then not only did Kareem Jackson, but several other of the Broncos players took those kids to a local Walmart, Walmart to go shopping for presents that they would like to have for Christmas. Um, they took the kids around the store. They picked out the presents with them. This is an event that Kareem has been doing since he came into the league back in 2010 with the Houston Texans. He said being able to give kids some kind of Christmas that, that w- they wouldn't have otherwise had an opportunity to have means a great deal to him because they deserve to be happy always, but particularly at this time of year. And joining Kareem at the event from the Broncos was Patrick Satan Jr., Will Sherman, Justin Simmons, Alex Singleton, Natan Muti, and Eric Salbert. Jackson said it means a lot to him to have his teammates participating in this event with him, and he hopes that it's going to inspire them to do something similar themselves. The Broncos organization, they invest countless hours in giving back to the community. They've won ESPN Humanitarian Team of the Year Award, so you see what a big deal it is for the Broncos and their organization. And obviously, kudos to them and kudos to Kareem Jackson for giving back in such a meaningful way. That's why I put my spotlight on them. That's true. And I think uh, especially one thing you said, Chris, that what they do inspires others to do the same. That's the real magic in this whole thing. And it seems like it has a domino effect. And since we have so many guys to feature on the segment, obviously working. But and and as what we said last week, also when it's done around the holidays, it takes on a even a higher meaning, and uh, it kind of gives you an insight into what really makes these guys tick. And 
you know, uh, football takes it really is secondary at that point, especially at this time of the year when there's people struggling. And uh, thanks for bringing that up. That's a great story, Chris. Yeah, 100%. All right, it is time for us to put a bow on this edition of Thursday Night Tailgate. Our thanks again to Christine Lisi, Tony Collins, Gus Ferrat, and Jim Everett for joining us tonight. And Bob, as always, a privilege to get to do this show with you every Thursday night. Oh, we have a blast. And those are four of our best friends ever, Chris, and uh, right. all terrific people. And that's why they're coming on, as I said. So uh, we'll do it again next week. Yes, we will. And joining us next week will be former Red Sox All-Star outfielder Fred Lynn will be here. Had the privilege of spending some time with Fred this summer on the golf side. Looking forward to having him as part of the show next week. Former Dodgers GM Fred Clare will be back. It's good to catch up with Fred. And Walls will be catching up with former Lions kicker Eddie Murray. We're all about the Lions lately. Eddie has been a great friend for a long time. Looking forward to having him as back as part of the show. Plus, of course, Tony Collins will be here for our five-star picks of the week. You can follow us on social media. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at CT Mascaro. Bob is at Bob underscore Lazari. And the show is at TNT Podcast. Please visit us on Facebook. We've got a page there for the show, Thursday Night Tailgate. Give us a like. That's very important to us. Plus, both Bob and I have our own Facebook pages as well. Please check out our website, ThursdayNightTailgate.com. On there, you're going to see links and the opportunity to listen to previous shows, guest segments, Our Thursday Night Tailgate Spotlight on the positive segments are on there as well. Plus, you can find us all over the net on great podcasting sites like Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify. If you have a favorite podcasting app, we're probably on that one too. Just type in Thursday Night Tailgate in the search bar. You'll find us on there. Bob, take us home, my friend. Uh, Thanks, Chris. And many thanks go out to our announcer, Joe LaGenusa, for the wonderful job he always does with our intro and ads. We want to also thank Kyle Turley and the Kyle Turley Band for the upcoming outro music. On behalf of myself and Chris, we want to thank everyone out there tonight for listening. Get you the most. Until next week, good night, Kevin. Good night, Terry. Good night, Rusty. Good night, Coach Reed. We miss you guys.